Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Back ain't better than ever, Greeny on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. Guests like Ryan Clark in a minute, and then his former coach, Nick Saban, live in an hour on the Shell Pennzoil Performance Line. Actually, we're going to be jam-packed. This hour in particular is going to be really busy. I've got Ryan Clark coming up here in just a few minutes. And then Paul Feinbaum is going to make a lot of people really mad, as he did this morning on Get Up. And we'll check in in Chicago, where 76-year-old Tony La Russa has become the manager of the White Sox in what can only be described as one of the genuinely stunning things. Let's put it this way. This move makes the decision to take Blake Snell out of Game 6 of the World Series look very much par for the course. So all that and more as we continue on a really busy day, but there's only one place to begin. The huge story yesterday, we'll make this Straight Talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless, and that is that the most famous player in college football, the best player in college football, the presumptive number one pick in the draft, the presumptive Heisman Trophy winner, and really sort of the face of the sport without question right now, Trevor Lawrence tested positive yesterday for coronavirus. And, you know, we had Dr. Myron Rolon get up this morning, and I think it's important to begin by saying, as he pointed out, we should not just treat this as, well, how quickly can he get back? He does have some symptoms. We have to make sure that he is healthy. So first, foremost, and forever, the most important thing is that we wish Trevor Lawrence a speedy recovery. He's obviously a young man with a wonderful life ahead of him, and we hope that he is fine. And we know that all of the data suggests the overwhelming likelihood is that he will be. But I don't feel comfortable not saying that first. Then we get to the sports piece of this because we are a sports show. And the sports piece of this is fascinating because the rules in the ACC are not like the rules in the Big Ten. If Trevor Lawrence is playing for a Big Ten team, if this should happen to one of the, and and will undoubtedly happen, to more of the high-profile players in the Big Ten. It's already happened in Wisconsin. We wouldn't see him for three weeks. Right now, we're going to see whether or not he's back on the field a week from tomorrow against Notre Dame. They play Boston College tomorrow. Clemson does. That's a game everyone I had on this morning is convinced they can win without him. And they have another five-star sitting behind him. So it's not as though they're turning to... Well, I don't even want to attach a name to this. It's not as though they don't have another fine player to go to, but there is no other Trevor Lawrence anywhere. So the idea that they would beat Boston College tomorrow, not much of a surprise. But how about Notre Dame in what probably is the biggest game of the college season? Would be something else if they have to play that game without Trevor Lawrence. Would be something else if they were to win that game without Trevor Lawrence. Let's get start from the beginning. Heather Dinich, our college football insider, was with me this morning on Get Up explaining the details of the situation. Here's Heather. Well, Trevor Lawrence began his 10-day isolation on Thursday. I guess the question is, when did his symptoms start? Because that's when the clock really starts ticking and determines when he can return. Much like in the Big Ten, Trevor Lawrence would have to go through cardiac testing and clear that. Plus, he also has to be symptom-free and fever-free for 24 hours. Those are the rules. What is your best guess as to whether or not Trevor Lawrence is on that field a week from Saturday? And how much cynicism will there be attached to that if he is? It's a fair question. I don't know the people there. I would like to think, and I do believe, from everything everyone tells me about Dabo Sweeney, who is a great coach and certainly has his detractors, but I believe that he will put the health of his player first. I believe that 
they will follow the protocol, and I believe there is a really good chance that Trevor Lawrence does not play against Notre Dame a week from Saturday. So you may be thinking to yourself, this is going to create a fascinating scenario for the committee. If they lose a close game, if Clemson loses a close game to Notre Dame, do both teams wind up getting in? Well, the reality is, remember, this is 2020, so all rules don't apply. Notre Dame is in a conference this year. They're in that one. So the overwhelming likelihood is if both of them were to go unbeaten outside of that game, they would meet again. So we could easily be looking at a scenario where Notre Dame knocks off Clemson in a, in a week and a day from now with no Trevor Lawrence. Then they meet again and Clemson beats them back in the ACC championship game with Lawrence. Now you leave yourself wondering what happens. Does the committee just take Clemson? Do they take them both? That would really be a fascinating scenario. Paul Feinbaum said this morning, and he's going to join me in a half hour, that he thinks there's a really good chance the committee winds up taking them both. We might wind up seeing Clemson and Notre Dame. What You know what that means. That means we could see Clemson and Notre Dame play each other three times this year. Once a week from Saturday, again in the ACC championship game, and then in theory, again, in college football's version of the Final Four, the college football playoff, we could wind up seeing those teams play three times this year. In fact, if I had to describe the likeliest scenario, I'd say that feels like it. I think right now, if you ask me to predict what I believe will happen, first guess this whole situation, my prediction is this. Trevor Lawrence does not play a week from tomorrow against Notre Dame. Notre Dame wins that game at home. Those two teams rematch for the ACC championship. And Clemson wins that one with Lawrence. And then, oh, the fascinating scenario that will unfold right after that. Imagine if after that they take Clemson and they don't take the Irish. That'll be a lot of fun to watch. But we have a long way to go before we get there. That is your straight talk with me, Greeny, no contract, no compromise. All right, let's get some more straight talk here. My friend Ryan Clark joins me on the Shell Pennzoil performance line. was terrific this morning and all week long on Get Up to, uh, Today and all week long. And, and RC, before we get to the huge games of this weekend, including Pittsburgh and Baltimore, which I know is so near and dear to your heart, what, what is your thought? You follow the college game extremely closely. What is your thought on this Trevor Lawrence situation? If a player, let's just, let's just, uh, assume the scenario is that he's cleared next Friday or even next Saturday morning. And he has basically been in isolation and quarantine for 10 days. Hasn't practiced, hasn't really done almost any physical activity. Realistically, can a quarterback play a game under those circumstances? I mean, I think, I think a quarterback can, I think any, anyone that's a special talent like Trevor is, I believe you can do it. I think that may be, a little easier than positional players from not having that type of activity. Like if you think about a wide receiver who has to do a ton of running, a defensive back, offensive lineman has to bang every play, defensive lineman. I think you can do your best to protect Trevor in some ways. And obviously a guy who has the knowledge of the offense that he has could clearly function from a mental standpoint. But is it responsible though? Is that the responsible thing to do if you're Dabo Sweeney and Clemson University, or your University of Clemson. Do you put him back out there? Do you show the world and also Trevor Lawrence that you care more about winning a game against Notre Dame than you do making sure that this player is given the best opportunity to protect himself and be at his top potential to perform? 
And so I don't think you play them if it happens that way. But what we're starting to see a lot in the NFL is as soon as these guys are cleared and as soon as these guys can go, they're getting them back out on the field. And so I wouldn't be surprised if Trevor is cleared around that time if we see him on the field. It's interesting because that is what I have been explaining away Cam Newton to for the last couple of weeks. And this is their last chance to prove me right. And if, it, if they don't, then the season is over for New England. But I've been saying all along, RC, that some things are excuses and other things are reasons. You're the one who put it in my head. You said Monday on Get Up, Cam Newton looks like he's aged five years in the last five weeks. And so I thought about that and I thought, you know, he did have the coronavirus in the last five weeks. Yeah. And maybe that does take something out of you. And maybe the fact that he hasn't been able to practice and he doesn't know the offense that well. And he didn't have the physical activity that maybe that would explain why he's looked so bad. And so if those are true, then maybe he bounces back in a big way Sunday. And that actually is why I'm picking them to beat Buffalo. You know, that would be the hopes. Obviously, you don't want anybody uh, to ever test positive for COVID or to come down with the coronavirus, but we don't understand how it affects people. We don't necessarily know what the lingering effects are. And it was crazy. I was, I was speaking about it uh, today, and I actually spoke about Cam uh, contracting the coronavirus, and I thought about Bomani Jones. Bomani Jones texted me, as soon as we started talking about this early on in the week, I said the exact same thing. And then he also mentioned Russell Westbrook uh, and the way that he played in the bubble after having the coronavirus right before they reported. And he was just saying, we just don't know how people will recover from this. There's, he said he's had friends who have said they've been in somewhat of a fog. Can you imagine trying to play quarterback in the NFL and being under a fog? Could you mm-hmm. imagine not necessarily feeling as strong as you possibly could or as you were before uh, testing positive. And so I think those things could matter, Greeny, and I think those things can play uh, a, a factor in it. But, you know, it's New England. It's the NFL. People don't want to hear that excuse. And Cam Newton said it himself. You know, there are no excuses. And in that region, in that area, losing is not an option. And so he's going to have to play better this week and hopefully – for the NFL, for New England, for Cam Newton, he does. And he kind of comes out of the slump he's been in since returning from the coronavirus. Yeah, he was asked if he's had any COVID fog, which is a real phenomenon. And he has said, he said no, but the, the player is always going to say no to questions like that. And so we'll wait and see if they can do it against Buffalo on Sunday. Greeny and RC with you. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. Okay, let's get to the fun part. Um, Pittsburgh, Baltimore, Sunday. For the audience who has never lived through this, how is this game as a player different than any other game on your schedule? Greeny, imagine this. Imagine that, well, you can't imagine this, but imagine you're somebody else that could imagine this. (laughs) Imagine you're the toughest person in your school. (laughs) Bar none, the toughest guy. You beat up everyone at your school. You got to school, people were trying to bully you, you new kid on the block, you beat them up and you became the guy. And then your rival school, the school that's across the street, there's another guy who's over there, and he's the baddest dude. And then they tell y'all, hey, man, at 3 o'clock, we're going to meet outside and we're going to figure this out. You guys are going to go toe-to-toe. That's what it's like. The entire week, you are preparing. You think you're the baddest man in the world, but you're preparing for someone on the other side who feels the exact same way and who thinks to themselves, you know what, I can take one of his punches to give him the best one of mine, and I bet I knock him out. 
That's what it feels like. And so it's that type of anxiety that you would have from the morning bell until 3 o'clock if you were that kid in school. It's that type of anxiety every day for six days of the game. And then when you step on the field, you're looking across the field at people who aren't scared of you, at people who believe that you aren't as tough as everybody thinks you are. And that's what motivates you through the entire week. So when you're watching film, you're looking at small spaces saying to yourself, okay, if I get this opportunity, it's got to be me or him, and i got to be the one to get up first. right? When you see a ball thrown deep down the field, you think to yourself, you know what, I could probably pick that ball off, but if I split this man in half, if I separate him from, a, from the ball, I send the type of message and tone that I want to set when I'm playing against this team. And so all bets are off. This is not about, this is not about the scoreboard. I never cared that if we walked off that the scoreboard said that we won. Because what I knew is if I walked off the field and if we walked off the field as the baddest men to report to the stadium, that the scoreboard would reflect that. And so that's what this game is about. This game is about who wants to wear the bigger pads and who wants to hear them pop the loudest. And that's why this rivalry is what it is. It's as good as it gets, and the conversation is great, and I will not take offense to the idea that you do, would think I was never the toughest person in my school. Um, true story. I started. I went to the same school from kindergarten through eighth grade, and then I started a new school for high school, and that first day of school, there was one really, really, really big kid in my math class. And I made a point of sitting right next to him and essentially offering to let him copy off of my paper (laughs) (laughs) in exchange for some sort of protection. That was that was my strategy. And generally speaking, it worked out. Okay, so you told me this morning that if you have one concern for the Steelers this weekend, it may not be the one anyone would expect. What is it? My concern is the Steelers quarterback. My concern is Ben Roethlisberger. And maybe this is the concern I have because I've had that concern on the sideline in games like this. I've, I've been nervous that Ed Reed was going to catch a football or that T. Sizzle was going to force a fumble and that we would have to go out then and play and make a stop on a short field. But I believe that's the way the Baltimore Ravens have to win this game. You have opportunistic players like Patrick Queen, Marlon Humphrey, Marcus Peters. These guys look for ways to turn the ball over and give the Baltimore Ravens short fields. That's the only way they can win. And what I do know about Big Ben is he has the propensity to hold the football. He's going to try to make the extra play. He wants to be the guy that helps teams, that helps his team win. And sometimes in doing that, you make mistakes. And that's what I'm nervous about, Greeny. When he was rolling against the Tennessee Titans, that game wasn't even close. The Pittsburgh Steelers were clearly the superior team. A couple of mistakes in the second half, a couple of misdiagnosed defenses, a t- couple of bad decisions. And now it's a game that they have to win because Steven Gaskowski misses the kick at the end. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it's going to be about Ben playing within himself, still making those big plays, but not making the big mistakes. Greeny and Ryan Clark with you here for another moment as we look ahead to rivalry weekend in the NFL. Really big games. Cowboys-Eagles is for the first place in the division. Seahawks 49ers has a lot at stake. Obviously, we sit here talking about this enormous game between Pittsburgh and Baltimore. And and then there's one more I'm just interested in your thought on, and that is Chicago and New Orleans. The Bears look to the world just so bad offensively on Monday night that I think a lot of people have given up on them despite the fact that they're 5-2. and two. Um, They could convince a lot of people the other way if they can play well this weekend against the Saints. Do you think they have a shot to beat New Orleans? I do. 
I do. I think the way this team is put together on the back end, I think they're extremely talented. Two really good corners, experienced safeties. Uh, what's going to tell the tale of this game is if the New Orleans Saints can block the front four of, of the Chicago Bears with Hicks and with Khalil Mack, and if Danny Trevathan and Roquan Smith can play with Alvin Kamara. Alvin Kamara, now that you know CMC is out and Dalvin Cook, has shown that he's the most valuable running back in football. And he's going to have to be Drew Brees' safety valve. He's going to have to be the guy that helps Drew Brees get the ball down the field. Because I actually believe that they're going to score offensively. If you watch the New Orleans Saints, they haven't been the defense that we thought they'd be at the beginning of the season. I thought that'd be the reason they had a chance to win the NFC. And they really haven't shown up. So the Chicago Bears can come up with some stops. They can put pressure on Drew Brees, which we know pressure bust pipes. We saw that happen to Tom Brady when he visited there a few Thursdays ago. And so I think the Chicago Bears can win this game. Now, does that mean that they now become the top contender in the NFC? No, but I just don't think it's the time to give up on them, especially when you have a quarterback who can get as hot as J.R. Smith in a playoff run. <laughs> Ryan Clark, have a wonderful weekend. It was a terrific week. Thank you so much. I'll see you Monday. Monday morning, my man. Have a good one. That's RC with me here on Greeny on ESPN Radio, and he's with us three days a week now in the mornings, and there's really no one I lean on more at this point for the insight, and you heard that. But he and I, I wish everyone, I hope everyone had a chance <clears throat> excuse me, to see he and Bart Scott going back and forth this, uh, this morning because Bart, the former Raven, and RC, the former Steeler, just going at it about just how meaningful this rivalry is. It was fun, and I'm looking forward to watching that game. And I'm inviting you to be a part of Greeny Nation on the Dr. Pepper call-in line. ESPN Nation is presented by Dr. Pepper. It is official. College football is back. And so is your favorite Dr. Pepper-loving college football town, Fansville. Head to a store near you to treat your inner college football fan to an ice-cold 20-ounce Dr. Pepper today. This is a perfect opportunity for you to try some active listening. Unsolicited advice. All right, here's the bottom line. The Green Bay Packers don't need any advice from me, but I'm going to give it to them anyway. There is no team, in my opinion, that needs to make a trade between now and Tuesday more than they do. And here's why. You know that I have been upset going all the way back to April about the way the Packers are handling Aaron Rodgers. They made up their minds at that point that they were turning the hourglass over letting the sand start dropping and just starting the clock on moving on from Aaron Rodgers. It made no sense then. It makes no sense now. But the bottom line of it is what he has shown you by playing as well this year, generally speaking, as he ever has, is that you can win a championship in this window. You can win a Super Bowl. You've had 30 years of first ballot Hall of Fame quarterback play consecutively. And in that time, you've won two rings. It's not enough. You have Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers back-to-back. You should have more than two championships. They should be looking to do anything they can to win this year. And right now, Aaron Rodgers just doesn't have the weapons. He's playing great, and he's elevating mediocre players and outside of Devontae Adams and turning them into star-caliber players. But what they need is one more weapon. Because you know what? Tom Brady just got one more weapon. Starting Tuesday, Tom Brady as Antonio Brown. You cannot send Aaron Rodgers into that fight again with what he has. He doesn't have the weaponry to combat Tom Brady. So right now, you know what you are? You're exactly the same team you've been. You have an all-time great quarterback, good enough to lead you to a division title, maybe a win in the playoffs, but not enough to win the championship. Make a trade for Will Fuller. 
Will Fuller of the Texans takes the top off a of defense. He scores a touchdown every week. He would be a difference-making player on that team. I'm not telling you he would put them over the top, but he would give Rodgers a fighting chance in an NFC Championship game against Tom Brady. The fighting chance that right now I don't think he has. Because if that game turns into a shootout, he doesn't have anywhere near the weapons on his side that Brady does on his. So again, they don't need my advice. But between now and Tuesday, I think they should get themselves another receiver. And everything I've heard is that Houston is, is wide open for business. If they'd be willing to trade away Will Fuller, I genuinely believe that the Green Bay Packers should do it. That's my unsolicited advice for our friends in Green Bay. Paul Feinbaum joins me live in just a moment. Greeny, the podcast. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Greeny, G-R-E-E-N-Y. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. The biggest star in the sport has tested positive. First and foremost to Trevor Lawrence, take care of yourself, get healthy soon. Clemson has plenty of talent, but I think that they're in good hands. That's why they're 31-point favors. Greeny presented by Progressive's Home Insurance. Get your quote at Progressive.com today. And for the second time today, it is my pleasure to say hello to my friend Paul Feinbaum, who joins me on the Shell Penzel Performance Line. Hello again, Paul Feinbaum. Greeny, it is always a pleasure. Thank you. A pleasure is mine. Let, let's, let's go right to the story of the day. How, how would you put into context, you who cover primarily the SEC, and you were down there, we spoke the day that Nick Saban was diagnosed with the coronavirus, and, and then we saw what happened as it proved to be a false positive, and he was back in time for the game against Georgia. But how would you put into context, as, a, as the longstanding journalist that you are, um, what, it, what it means when people hear the words, Trevor Lawrence has tested positive? It, it makes it easy to understand, Greeny. Uh, and not that anyone listening hasn't encountered COVID from close or afar, but if you're a college football fan, this is your biggest name. Uh, he's the biggest star in the game. It, you know, tantamount to Tom Brady in the NFL or LeBron in, in, in the NBA. And you know, we, we went through it briefly with Saban, but Saban is a coach and he's 60, about to be 69 years old. I mean, this is not only the face of college football, but he is the presumptive number one pick in the draft. Uh, and on top of all that, we're eight days away from what many believe uh, is the biggest game of the year in college football. So there are so many factors 
we're, we're going to watch the, co- the COVID protocol unfold and see whether or not he can play. And if he doesn't play, it, it's not the end of the world. But knowing college football people like we both do, I sense that Clemson will do everything they can as long as he's healthy. Uh, he'll be he'll be ready to play against Notre Dame a week from tomorrow night. I, I don't know that, but I'm just I, I've seen this movie before, as you have. Yeah, I, I feel the same way. But let's live in a world for a moment because there's nothing more fun than trying to psychoanalyze the college football playoff committee. Let's live in a world where Clemson loses a hard-fought game on the road in South Bend without their star quarterback. What happens then from the standpoint of them still finding their way into the playoff? Interestingly enough, not very much. Uh, I suspect when the, when the first poll comes out in three or four weeks, uh, they'll be somewhere between three and five, maybe, maybe even in the top four. And if Trevor comes back and if, he's, if he regains his health and Notre Dame runs the table and, and they meet again, and, and Clemson would be helped if Notre Dame goes, goes through the rest of the season. They've struggled a little bit. They, they, they beat uh, Louisville by, by five, 12 to seven. But remember, uh, three weeks ago, we were talking about Notre Dame missing a game or two uh, because of COVID. So they were sloppy getting back. But if these two were to meet and Notre Dame's in the top three and Clemson's in the top three or four and one's undefeated and Clemson has that one loss, I don't think it will make any difference. I think they both conceivably could end up going to the college football playoff, which would likely be a blow to the SEC, who thinks they the SEC thinks all four spots should go to the SEC, but this year they think maybe two of them should. Well, certainly one of them is right now has the name Ohio State in pencil, right? That, that In pencil, and they play the biggest game, I think, of their season tomorrow. You, you said it right this morning, that the game loses a touch of luster because Penn State lost to Indiana, but it doesn't lose the significance. Ohio State needs big wins like that one. Do you think they get it? Any question in your mind, Ohio State wins tomorrow, and, and candidly, that they win out? I think they will. Uh, there's always question with Penn State. Urban Meyer once said that playing uh, at, at State College uh, on a whiteout, and I'll explain that in a minute, uh, is probably worth at least seven points. You're, you're down when the game begins. This will not be as haunting. And, and, you know, you talk about all the things we've lost in COVID, and, and, and I'm talking about it in the, in the vernacular of sports. This game would have been just insane on Halloween night with a, with a moon out, uh, and in my opinion, uh, Greeny, the toughest atmosphere in college football is, is Ohio State at Penn State on Saturday night. We, we don't get that because there won't be anybody in the stadium. And I think that will really hurt Penn State's chances of winning. So I, I am going to go ahead today on, on the 30th of October and pencil Ohio State in the college football playoff. Right, which would leave, if we, if we did have Clemson and Notre Dame both in, it would leave only one spot for the ultimate SEC champion, which right now feels like Alabama, but there's a long way to go. Greeny and Paul Feinbaum, two more things for you before I let you go, Paul. Uh, the first of them is Nebraska. For those who didn't follow this, Nebraska had their game against Wisconsin this weekend canceled. I will repeat, those games in the Big Ten are not being postponed. They're being canceled. They wanted to play anyway. They wanted to schedule a game against Chattanooga. The Big Ten stepped in and said, you cannot do that. What is your sense? This is the second time now we've seen Nebraska and the Big Ten office on opposite sides of an issue. What is your sense of what the significance of that might wind up being? I think at some point these two are going to get a divorce. Um, and, And I know you're throwing away a lot of money in the prestige of the Big Ten 
But Nebraska just can't seem to get along with anyone. Uh, you know, they, they didn't like their position in the Big 12, formerly the Big 8, because they felt like Texas ran everything, and they never got their way. And, and now they're, they're just like the, the, the kid in the back of the class in third grade who, who, who throws spitballs at the teacher when, when he or she aren't looking. And to me, uh, you know, just be Nebraska, be, be happy. Consider yourself fortunate that you're in one of the great leagues in, in, in college athletics. And quit complaining because you haven't contributed one thing to the Big Ten. They've been in the Big Ten for 10 years. They've done nothing. I mean, Greeny, absolutely nothing. And this is, this is a program in the 60s and 70s, 80s, 90s, uh, even a little bit later, was, was you know, up there with Alabama and Penn State and Michigan and Ohio State and SC. But, but they've been a complete bust in the, in the, in the Big Ten. It's true. I mean, in my childhood, Nebraska-Oklahoma was the biggest game of the year. Most of yeah. the time, or many, t- uh, much of the time, was the most important game of the year, and that feels like a long time ago. Uh, one more thing, Paul, and that is you mentioned uh, Nick Saban is almost 69. Tomorrow is his birthday, and today he's coming on my show. So he's going to be live in a half hour. I will have Nick Saban. What is one question I absolutely have to ask him? Uh, <laughs> I mean, I mean I'm, I'm interested in his future. Uh, but but you're you're unlikely to get very far on that, Greeny. I once spent about an hour and a half one morning uh, sending you questions for Saban, and no matter mm-hmm. what you ask him, he will wiggle out. So I would just have have fun with him and, and talk about his birthday because 69 is an interesting age. Uh, there are not many coaches older than that, and, and very few, if any, have ever accomplished very much. Uh, Paterno struggled in his 70s. Bowden had a had a bad run. But, but Saban has, has shown no, no interest in slowing down. He did say something interesting the other day to Chris Lowe. Uh, he, he said that you know, he's a defensive-minded coach, and, and, and he's admitting now, he's waving the white flag, that, that offense is where the action is. So I might start there. Yeah, I saw that. I saw those quotes, and that is interesting. And he's become wide receiver you. Whoever would have thought we would have that? Penn State used to be linebacker you, and all of a sudden, Nick Saban, the defensive-minded coach, is turning out wide receivers in the first round of the draft every single year, and he has more, even though one of them got hurt here. Anyway, uh, Paul, thank you for the perspective this morning. Thank you for this. We'll see you on your show this afternoon. Thanks, as always. Have a great weekend. A pleasure, Grady. Thank you. That's Paul Feinbaum on the Shell Pennzoil Performance Line. Pennzoil synthetic motor oils are made from natural gas, gives you unbeatable engine protection. The proof is in the Pennzoil based on sequence 4A wear test using SAE 5W30. As, as we just discussed, I will have Nick Saban live in about 25 minutes. But uh, before then, coming up next, there was a story in sports yesterday that I will honestly tell you surprised me as much as anything that has happened in a decade. Greeny, the podcast. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. 
Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. My internal response has been excitement. I haven't had the first regret. I'm fired up. I'm ready to go. I'm anxious to get with the players. I want to show them what I represent as a person, as a professional. Well, I'll tell you what, a lot of things have happened in sports this year that were unusual and I suppose a great many of them surprising. But I can tell you with certainty that nothing that has happened in sports this year surprised me as much as the news that we got yesterday that the Chicago White Sox, an up-and-coming young team that had a really good year and who has a really bright future and was a job that I'm sure a lot of managers would have been interested in, hired Tony LaRusa, who hasn't managed in Major League Baseball in nine years, to come back and be their manager. Now, having covered sports in Chicago myself for a long time, I'm aware that Jerry Reinsdorf, who owns the White Sox, has for many, many years described getting rid of LaRusa as his biggest regret. LaRusa and Harold Baines are the two people that Jerry Reinsdorf continued to love forever. But it's one thing to admire LaRusa and continue to care for him. It's another thing entirely to bring him back now. So I wanted to spend a moment getting to the bottom of that with Mark Silverman from ESPN 1000, host of the afternoons there with Tom Waddle, Sylvie on the Shell Penzo performance line. And Sylvie, good to talk to you, my man. And, and just I, what was the reaction to this? Because I can tell you, I was absolutely stunned. Yeah, we were too, Greeny, and it's great to join you. When Bob Nightingale of USA Today broke this story, or at least threw us to the scent, that Tony LaRusso was the leading candidate, we all laughed. We're like, he can't be right. This can't be right. He's been out of managing for 10 years now. This is a young and up-and-coming team. They built this team from scratch. They're, it's not somebody that Rick Hahn described. Rick Hahn in the press conference described somebody with recent World Series managing success. That pointed to two guys. That pointed to Alex Cora, and it pointed to A.J. Hinch. And Rick Hahn admitted that in the press conference yesterday, that things changed after that press conference, and that's when Jerry Reinsdorf took things over and Tony LaRussa came to fruition. It was something that was laughed at for two or three weeks, Greeny, and even when we got the official announcement yesterday, it was still stunning even though we knew it was coming. What were the callers on your show saying? Well, we did a poll, and I know you're infatuation with poll questions too, <laughs> and it was 88% saying that it was a bad move. Now, if that is something where you think like Cubs fans clog things up in this town whenever there's a two baseball team town, the other team likes to troll that team. But uh, look, I don't think a lot of Sox fans like this. This Rick Hahn is a smart general manager. And, and a, like I said, in 2016, he decided to trade Chris Sale to the Boston Red Sox. That was a hard decision for Jerry Reinsdorf to make. Forever, he has brought in veteran players to try and bubble up and get to the postseason to see if that team can win a World Series. They have never built something from the ground up with sustained success. This is finally the team that's done it, like the Cubs did five or six years ago. 
And now you hire a 76-year-old manager. Granted, a 76-year-old manager who is third in baseball in all-time wins, who is in the Hall of Fame, who has won World Series before, but is this guy ready to go with the team after not managing for 10 years? What do you think? I don't, know. I think this is a colossal mistake. I think there's a, there are better guys out there. I think A.J. Hinch was their Joe Madden. I think you had a guy out there who would never have been out there if the World Series cheating scandal did not happen with the Houston Astros. It was their blessing. And I know that a lot of Sox fans did not want to wrap their arms around it. But also follow the history of Tony La Russa and, and just see what he presided over for many, many years. Listen to what Jack McDowell described as what the White Sox set up in the 80s as a sign-stealing thing with their scoreboard. We know sign-stealing went on with baseball for a long time. I feel they had the perfect guy with player development who's had postseason experience to take this team and run with it. Now, they could still run. This team is really good, Greeny. But will Tony La Russa get out of them what they should be getting out of them in 2021? And, and if it doesn't go well, what will happen? Because if this is purely driven by the owner, then obviously some of the normal rules don't apply. So if this doesn't go well in one year, what happens? That's a great question because Rick Hahn, again, the guy who wanted to lead this, the guy who built the team, said that the reason they were making the Ricky Renneria firing happen now is when they were ready to go, they did not want to change things on the fly in the middle of these players being in their prime. If you have a 76-year-old manager who maybe can't handle the grind, who maybe doesn't connect with this team, are they changing managers in a year again? Exactly the same thing that they did not want to do. And, Greeny, you and I were both on the Bulls beat when they were winning titles, and mm-hmm. we just watched the last dance. I tweeted this out last night. For the life of me as a lifelong Chicago sports fan, I cannot understand how they don't bring back Phil Jackson, Michael Jordan, and Scottie Pippen going for a seventh championship in 1999, but yet they bring back the manager from 1985. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, you, you yes, laugh at it. It's, it's ridiculous. You don't go for a seventh championship, but you want to right a wrong from 35 years ago. It doesn't make sense. It's hard to believe. Waddle and Sylvie this afternoon in Chicago, as always. Great to talk to you, my friend. Thank you. Greeny, all the best. Thank you. You too. It's Mark Silverman. Again, he's been covering sports in Chicago as long as he, he and I were there together. Uh, and that for me was 25 years ago. I, did, I wanted to take a moment, even on a football Friday, to try and make some sense of this. And he just explained exactly what I expected, which is that it is inexplicable. And I have a great admiration for what Tony La Russa has accomplished. But to ma- hire him to manage your team right now does feel ridiculous. The great Nick Saban live next. Thanks for listening to Greeny, the podcast. You can get more from Greeny live weekdays at noon Eastern on ESPN Radio and on ESPN News. And don't miss Greeny on Get Up every morning at 8 Eastern on ESPN. Greeny, the podcast.